Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Confidence Council podcast. Today on the show, we have a very special guest, my best friend, soul sister, just BFF since, what, eighth grade, uh, Katie Mack on the show today. And we're bringing you a different kind of episode. We're actually flipping the mic and Katie's going to be interviewing me so that you guys can get to know me and my journey a little bit better and kind of what led me to here. And I have to do a disclaimer. We did not go over any of these questions. I, I have no idea what she's about to ask. I'm sure she's going to embarrass me because that's kind of like the way we show love to each other. So I'm just, you know, looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. I'm going to try not to edit too much out so you see just like the raw banter because we think we're pretty hilarious. So we hope that you enjoy what's to come. Welcome to the Confidence Council podcast. This show is designed for high achieving women who, despite having a great life, just know that they're destined for more. Whether you aren't sure what that next level is, or you have an idea, but the vision feels out of reach, then this podcast is for you. My name is Monica Burkoff. I'm a trial lawyer, a mom, and a wife, and I'm here because I know from my own experience that feeling stuck or unfulfilled does not have to be your reality. With a positive mindset and the right counsel, you too can create the life of your dreams. My hope and intention for this podcast is that you walk away feeling confident, motivated, and inspired to embrace your authentic self and to take bold action toward your dream life. Are you ready to get started? All rise. So Katie, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and and how we met. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie. I'm so excited to be on here. I have known Monica since I think technically junior high, um, but we became best friends in high school, more so even senior year of high school. And I think the cool thing about our friendship is that we've gone through all these different stages of life together and grown together, which is pretty special. Um, and then about me, I live in the Northwest suburbs and I'm married. I have two small children, Sienna and Atlas, three and two, and I'm currently a full-time mom with them and also working on a little side gig, more to come on that. And yeah, I'm just happy to be here. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, I'm excited too. All right, okay. let's get into it. What do you got? So this was honestly my idea. I suggested this to you, Monica, because I thought... You know, you've been doing such a good job about interviewing all of these experts and kind of picking their brains, but I thought it was about time that your listeners got to know you a little bit better on a personal matter, um, however you want to take it. And so, yeah, so we can talk about kind of some stuff from your childhood. We can talk about your professional life and kind of where or how you landed where you are today. So I thought, let's go back in time. We'll start okay. with when you were younger. Um, and I don't have anything specifically embarrassing to call you out on, so don't worry. But if it comes up, then, okay. like, then that's on us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about your childhood? So where you grew up, what your family life was like, um, what your parents were like, and then kind of 
What was your personality like when you were little? Huh, that's kind of loaded. So I feel like growing up, my memories are, you know, growing up in like apartments, like really small homes. My parents were immigrants, you know, first generation moved here when they were in their 20s with my sister, who was a baby at the time. And they were 19 and 20. And they just had to like bust their ass and work nights and, you know, left us with family members and stuff while they worked to try to support us and like create a life here in America. And um, yeah, so I just have a lot of memories of moving growing up. We moved a lot. And my parents kind of, they were such hustlers. Like they were, they started to like flip houses. Like they would, you know, buy like a little apartment or whatever, maybe work on the kitchen or like, you know, update the cupboards and then sell it for a little bit more money, make a little bit of a profit. And we'd move on to the next place. And we would do that. I mean, for years and years. So we moved a ton, but I eventually landed in Mount Prospect, which is where we met. And that is where, um, we kind of settled down into like our first like home and remind me, remind me when that was. When that was in sixth grade. We sixth moved grade. to Mount okay. Prospect in sixth grade. Yeah. Before then we were living in Chicago. Um, and so then we moved to Mount Prospect and I felt finally like kind of a normal kid. Like I had a house, you know, and, um, my sister, I have an older sister. She is a year and a half older than me. So there's the same age gap that I have with my boys. Um, it's about mm-hmm. exactly 18 months or very close to it. And so we were really close growing up. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I have memories of my parents working a lot, you know, my grandma coming from Poland to help take care of us, sacrifice, so much sacrifice, not seeing my dad for days and, you know, my parents working at night and, you know, it's so a lot of that. And so I felt always this pressure to make it worth it for them and like really make them proud and show them like that all of this was for something, you know, and my sister and I carried that like pretty heavily, I think, growing up, like always wanting to impress them and please them because they had done so much for us. And yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how I would describe the background. And would you say your personality was pretty similar to what it is now or were you more reserved? Oh, well, you know, I moved in sixth grade and I was reserved for sure because I didn't know anybody and everyone kind of knew each other from fifth grade, you know, like the elementary schools and I was brand yeah. new. But, you know, I just made a couple of friends and I I remember like you were a cool girl. You were in the popular <laughs> group and I was definitely not. But I, you know, I always, you know, you always want to be popular and stuff when you're, you know, 10 years old and you're in junior high or whatever. And um, I just remember feeling like I was always like not fitting in, like kind of a misfit. Like I was poorer than everybody else. Like I remember, God, remember when everybody wore like those Abercrombie t-shirts and stuff. And yeah, I had one. I, I, okay. Yeah. And I finally talked my mom into getting me one and it had, it literally said Abercrombie ping pong team. It was so ugly and embarrassing, but it was on the sale rack and that's all we can afford. And I wore it every day. Mm -hmm. God bless those kids. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, it wasn't easy growing up. And But, you know, I found a few friends, one that we're still both really good friends with to this day. Um, and I just found like a couple of core friends and kind of just wrote it out with them. And I, I would say like later seventh, eighth grade, I kind of like com- started coming out of my shell a little bit. I felt more at home once I had like my people. And then I started to open up. So I was going to, when you started to get to this, um, one of my first probably my first memory of you. I think it was eighth grade. And we were sitting at different lunch tables. I was with a different group. You were with 
a different group. And I remember looking around at my table I was at with all these girls and I'm like, man, this is boring. Like we're all just sitting there with our heads down, kind of twiddling our thumbs, waiting for the next like leader to speak. And I remember like looking behind me and hearing you and a couple other girls just like laughing and you were cracking jokes and you just, you were so like vivacious already at such a young age. And then I remember I just kind of slowly every day would make my way over to your table until eventually that table became my permanent spot and you guys became my friends. Um, so yeah, I mean, like even for as long as I can remember, you've always just kind of been this like bright light and full of kind of wit and humor. So that's it's so funny because I don't remember myself that way. But when I like mentioned that I was launching the podcast, remember Nicole, she posted something on the in the comments said, you were voted most likely to be a talk show host in eighth grade. And <laughs> I was like, it. I was? And she was like, I yeah, I, I could probably find it. And that oh I didn't even remember that. And I That's didn't amazing. even realize that that part of me started developing so early. Yeah. Well, and I think it's probably with a lot of things, right? Like these little things spark in us when they're little, when we're, when we're young. But whether it's just kind of the environment, culture, society, it maybe numbs it in us a little bit until we can kind of find ourselves again and almost like get back to who we were. So like you're saying, it's always it's always been there, but maybe it just took a little bit of um, kind of side turns to get back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So what did you want to be when you were little? Do you remember? Um, I think a singer. A singer. I think a singer. <laughs> and yes. I sang in my room so much and I just have memories. My, I had a joining, a joining wall with my parents. So our headboards like, you know, matched at the wall. Yeah. And I remember singing in my bed, like ah, my mom just banging on the wall, like go to sleep, you know, and it made me like embarrassed that I was like singing in my bed and stuff. But yeah. like, you know, that, but that singing thing got like beat out of me early. Like that's not yeah. something that you do. That's not a career. Like you're not that great to be honest. <laughs> But like, I just love to sing and I like wrote my own songs and everything. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you knew that part about me, but my other girlfriend, Sandra, that I grew up with, we have this song. I could still remember it. You know, I don't know if she listens to the show, but like I should get her on here to perform it for you guys. (laughs) Yes, please. Yeah. So I would say singer super early. And then later I had no idea. I didn't really, I didn't really know. Can you think of what's a funny story your parents would like to tell about you when you're little or that they still like like to bring up at dinners or something? Oh, the the one that I mean I was so young so I don't remember have any memory of this but that I like ru- got into the bathtub, I took off my diaper and I rubbed poo all over myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how old I was, but yeah. All right. So kind of moving on, we briefly talked about how we met, but I thought we could add a little bit more on that because we met in junior high, but we didn't really connect until we were older. So like high school. So what can you recall from the time that we met? Well, connected, I will say. Uh, It had to have been just sitting on the school bus. You know, oh, there. Well, yeah, there's that. Yes. You know, so, I mean, what other story were you thinking of? The big thing is the school bus. Like we used to ride the school bus to high school, and you know, you get on the bus. It's so intimidating because we were freshmen, and there's just like you know, sophomores and juniors and seniors. There's all kinds of ages on the bus, and you just like look yeah. for a, a, a face that you recognize. And thank God you were on that bus. I think you got on before I did. 
But yeah, I mean, at first we just sat at each other kind of as like acquaintances, you know, and then as the year went on, we would like look forward to seeing each other every morning and like the ride to and from school or whatever. And just, I don't know, we were like just such clowns. And I remember throwing notes like four seats ahead of us at like an older boy. Like, I think they were triplets, right? (laughs) How many of you are there? There was we all only saw two at a time, but at, I, we swore that there was a third, right? And so, so we passed a note that said, "How many of you are there?" And they and we said, raise, raise your hand. hand, raise your hand. And they slowly raised the, the number three, and we just died. We're like, we knew it, you know. That, so we also, stuff like that. We also made uh, love matches on the bus. Remember, like we had heard someone had a crush on someone else, and so we. Wrote- you don't remember this one? No. <laughs> he wrote like a love letter that said like, hey, like I think you're really great. <laughs> like, we should hang out. And then we, and then we put love, whoever it was. Love, I'm like two seats person. behind you by the window. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. But I think the most classic thing, which I have heard you talk about before, was the um, little, you know, boy sense of humor that we connected on where – you kind of like made the first move. Like, was she going to think this is funny? The, the farting noises. Yeah. And, and I did, I, I thought it was wonderful. And from there on, we were like, wow, we have the same sense of humor. This is yeah, fantastic. We were destined to be boy moms. Yeah. <laughs> hand farts. Like we get it all. Like, yeah. And honestly, it's funny. Like Atlas will do certain things now. Like he thinks it's hilarious when someone burps or like when someone farts. And I'm like, well, you know, I kind of think it's funny too, but like. So do I. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I love the potty humor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anything else about, well, I guess like a little bit about high school and college. I'm kind of lumping those together because it's kind of like when you were younger, when you were a bit older, what were you like in high school and college? And like, how would you say you were different then than you are today? You know, something that stands out to me as like a memory looking back now is I remember, was it maybe freshman or sophomore year on the cheerleading squad? I think it was freshman. And all of a sudden, Kelly started calling the cheers. Remember, like at that point, nobody was a captain or anything. And Kelly just started calling the cheers because Tam had asked her to. And I remember feeling so like, why is she calling the cheers? Like, I'm <laughs> I'm the leader here. I remember in my head being like, no, that's not wrong. That's not right. And I remember I said something and I remember people were upset with me for even saying something like, how dare you, you know? And um, eventually I was calling the cheers, right? And I was captain mm-hmm. in the next three years. But I, I that like leadership in me started emerging. I feel like that is a memory of mine. Like, yeah. I remember in that moment being like, no, I'm going to lead this team. Like, I want to lead. Yeah. I wanted to lead this team. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that kind of started early, like speaking up for what I wanted. Like I asked the coach, why aren't I? Why aren't I calling the cheers? You know? Yeah. So like going after what you want early, that sticks out to me in high school. So yeah, cheering in high school. Um, were, were we captains together sophomore year? We, sophomore year on JV, sophomore yeah. Sophomore year? Okay. So I was like, mm-hmm. I think, gosh, everything is honestly such a blur for me, especially high school. I like, I hardly remember, like, what did I do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, did, you know, I wish I kept a, a journal. <laughs> we kept, we did a lot. I like wish sometimes I like wrote it down more, you know, so yeah. I can look back on it and remember and like see the growth. Cause I don't, I don't remember a lot either. Okay. Anything else about like high school and college you want to talk about? Mm, well, college, I mean, I know we could get into the college. Stuff. I know. I mean, like we did for four years. What do you well, like? So what do you want to know about college? Well, 
I guess you did, you, I mean, you took, you always took kind of school more seriously. Like you were very focused on getting into law school. How did you know that was something you wanted to do? Ugh, like it's so weird saying it back now. I remember being home junior, maybe between junior and senior year of college. No, even before that, maybe. And my sister said that she was going to be a lawyer. And my cousin was there and he said he was going to be a lawyer. And yeah. they were at U of I and he was somewhere else. And I was at ISU and they were like, and I was like, well, I'm going to be a lawyer. And they're like, no, you're not smart enough to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And she denies that to this day. She's like, I would never say that, but she did. No, she may not have meant it. Kind of stuff. I heard it too. She, you know, yeah. she probably didn't even mean it. Or, but I, I took it like yeah. so. Watch me. That's how I took it. Oh, I'm not smart enough. Watch me. Like the challenge accepted. And I literally like pursued this law degree out of spite. <laughs> like at the whole the whole first few years. But then, because I, you know, I picked up the minor shortly thereafter, the legal studies. And then I ended up on jury duty. And I watched, I was on a jury in federal court. It was a, you know, a case that involved the police, which is the work I do now. And it was the best plaintiff's attorney in the city. I'm not going to say their name. And the guy was doing his, you know, cross and his closing argument. And I was looking at him and I was like, because you're not supposed to Google the attorneys or the case, but I did anyway, right? Like, yeah. you're not supposed to do that if you're on a jury, but I did. And I looked him up and I saw that he was the best and da, da, da. And I remember thinking, he's the best? I could do better than that. Yeah. And then I ended up becoming a trial lawyer in that same area of law. Now we have cases against that firm. And yeah. So I just like have this thing where I just like, it's with uh, something clicks and it's like, I want that. I want to do that. I'm going to do that. Watch me. I don't even know where that comes from. No, I was going to say like, and for as long as I can remember, you've always been that way. And we, you know, I feel like we used to downplay, or you kind of used to downplay, I'm just lucky or whatever. But no, it's like, there's so much hard work that went into like everything you did do, right? You didn't just say, I'm going to get into law school and got lucky and did it. Like, no, you worked your butt off for it, right? But you do, you do, you always had this mentality of like, I'm going to go for this and I'm going to get it, you know? And I, I, I don't know. I've always respected that of you. Whereas like, I think I've always let fear or other people's voices stand too much in my way. Like I wanted to be a psychologist. And then I had my, my dad's voice in my ear. Well, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to make money? You're going to have to get your master's, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, never mind. I'll change my mind. So it's, I think that's just, it's, it's so interesting that you've just, you've always had that. You've had that like gut intuition. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't know that growing up, you know, but now looking back, I, I, and after talking to Julia about the, you know, the episode that we did about the manifestation at the beginning uh, of the podcast, um, I realized that I had been manifesting like hardcore my whole life. Like I want that. And then I'm going to take the steps and I'm going to get it kind of thing, you know, but I was already thinking and seeing it for myself. Like it was mine. Yeah. And like, I'm going to be the best at this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. It's amazing. Um, what were you like in college? I was a good time, I would say. <laughs> you know, we liked a good time. And um, I don't know. I feel like we it was a lot of – we prioritized relationships with our friends mm-hmm. and um, just being goofballs and having the most fun and not taking ourselves too seriously. Like we were, what, 19 and we dressed up like 
weirdos that went to McDonald's, pretended like oh, we were the girl unicorn group. girls, yeah, the unicorn girls, or just I don't know the prank calls and all the stuff. Like we never took ourselves too seriously. Oh, freeze frame in the elevators at Waterson Dorm. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, the doors would open and we'd all be frozen, like in weird positions, staring down at the floor, and people we would not move a muscle as people walked into the elevator. <laughs> yeah, like super weirdos and. <laughs> That is so weird, but it's weird. But it, it was entertaining to us, you know. It tickled us, and 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 that's what mattered. Like we didn't care so much about what other people think. Like you know, we didn't care about just like looking pretty or whatever. Like we were just being ourselves, and right. you know, and and then if you ask like any of the guys we hung out with, they would all say like your group was the funnest because or the most fun because you guys just had a good time and let loose. Yeah. Like you weren't we didn't so take like seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is kind of how we found our sorority that we both ended up joining. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we we looked for a group that was was the good time, right? Like, you know, we didn't just go for who's the prettiest, who was the coolest. Like, no, mm-hmm. who are the girls that we actually want to be b- best friends with? And lo and behold, who are our closest friends now? Our group from college. Yeah. Which is pretty yeah. special and very yeah. rare from what I've heard. <laughs> very rare, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I can second that. You were definitely a good time in college. Definitely did not miss a party, but you were the one that coined the phrase school before cool. So <laughs> let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah. That, that was one of your mottos. <laughs> school before cool. God, I'm so awesome. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was were. saying that to us, like everyone's drunk or hungover. Like, all right, guys, we still got to make our library hours. School before cool. School before cool. Yeah, or you would you would miss a pub Wednesday once in a while when needed because school before cool, mm-hmm. and I, I respected that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the FOMO was real, but like you got to yeah. do what you got to do, you know. Yeah, and I would say like in general, which looking back on it, I know we've talked about this before, our college years and like our young twenties living in the city and all that, we definitely like lived that part of our life to the fullest, um, and I appreciate that because I don't have any regrets. Like, yeah, maybe. The, the hangovers, like those weren't fun, whatever. That's not what I'm referring to. But just like you said, putting our energy into our friends and building relationships, being spontaneous and like living life on a whim on a Wednesday night, you know, if the mood struck, I don't, I don't have any regrets. It's like, we got it all out of our system and lived that phase of our life so that we can comfortably like move into the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so totally. I, I have so much, I just feel so fondly about those years, even though they were crazy. Is there anything else about college you feel like that was instrumental? Um, in college, it's just, you know, just creating those lifelong friendships. And I remember, like, not wanting to come home yeah. on weekends and stuff because we were just having such a good time. And, and all of our spring breaks, like, we lived it up. Panama City yeah. and all the different – where else did we go? Where South did we Padre. go in Texas? South Padre okay. and then Panama City again. Like, yeah. oh, the mems. Oh, yes. Oh, I don't yeah. know where the kids go now these days, but they'd probably think those two places are gross, but – or if they're not condemned by <laughs> now. probably go to, like, Greece or something. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, I do – I will say I have one regret about college, and I, like, need to get in okay. my sister's ear about this because I have a little sister that's 19 years old. She's in college right now. And my one regret is not studying abroad. Yeah. I wish I had done that because I feel like you kind of come into your own – you came back, like, feeling more, like, sure of yourself, I felt, and – just like getting that independence and seeing a different kind of culture, I think it really yeah. enhances your life. And my sister did it. And I just was like, I don't want to miss the fun. And I regret that. 
Yeah. Okay. So moving kind of through college, segues to your husband, Todd. Can you tell us how you guys met and how that kind of love connection started? So, you know, when you're in college and then everybody comes home for like Thanksgiving week, that that Thanksgiving break, and there's Black Wednesday is the night before Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. and everybody goes out on Black Wednesday. And so we were all home from college, and we hooked up with our friends from home that were all back from college, and we went to some bar um, in the suburbs, um, Palatine, right? Lamplighters. and. We, one of our best friends, Erica, was actually dating a guy from another high school. And they were all back from college too, he and his friends. And so they're at the bar, <clears throat> unbeknownst to us or whatever. We hadn't met this guy because Erica had just started dating him, I think. Yeah. And um, so we're at the bar. It is packed. And, and I feel like we couldn't get a drink to save our lives. And it was like just super packed. And, I see Todd at the bar and he's like a tall drink of water, like totally my type, like athletic, handsome. And I like, I think I tapped him on the shoulder. No, I didn't. He'll say I didn't. He'll say I grabbed his butt. And um, I yes. probably did. I grabbed his butt. And <laughs> That's how I remember it. I grabbed his butt. He turned around and I asked him if he would like hand us a cup or like le- le- lean over the bar and like grab us a cup or something so we could split the bottle of wine that we like smuggled in, in our purse or something like that. And um he did. And then we started talking. And as we were talking, Erica, who was dating his friend, walks up to us and is like, oh my God, we were going to introduce you guys. And, um, but we had already kind of found each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then I guess I, uh, I like was super into him. And on the car ride home, I, he gave, we like exchanged numbers and you guys were all kind of like not drinking that much because you had just come back from a Vegas trip or yes, something. Right. Yes, and I was like correct. studying for the bar. Or I don't know what I was no studying for the LSAT or something. So yeah. I didn't get to go on that trip, but so you guys were all kind of still recovering. Cause you were like so hungover from like the rage mode. And, um, but I was like the drunk one in the backseat and I was like, I'm going to text him, you guys. <laughs> and you guys were like, don't no, text no. him. And I no, did. You were, you were telling us what you were going to say to him too. What and was it, it was so forward. It was like, you don't remember this? Tell me. It was, it was like some, something, what do I do if I have a crush on someone? Or something like so, so <laughs> So forward. embarrassing and so forward. And you're like, should he text the guys? I'm like, Monica, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And then all of a sudden we just hear this like little, like maniacal laugh, like in the back of the car. And we're like, what did you do? Like, I sent it. <laughs> I sent it. And you <laughs> know what? He did not Ross respond. You did not respond that night, but the next day he called me. <laughs> on Thanksgiving. And like on Thanksgiving, he was driving back to school and I was like, you know, playing downstairs with my little sister or something. Cause you know, after you eat, you're just kind of like in whatever. So, but he called to like talk and I, you know, and I was never like a talk on the phone kind of gal really. And so I'm like, so like, so what do you, so can I help you? You know, like, what, and yeah. I remember like hanging up and being like, Katie, was he cute? Like, I don't even remember. Like, do we like him? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cute. We do. We like him. <laughs> so yeah, that, and the rest is history. Then, you know, then we started just like talking and it was like a long distance and it wasn't like serious. We, I finished college. It was like, cause that was November. We graduated that following May. So I still had like, you know, six more months of college. And then, yeah, once we graduated, we kind of like made it more official. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess it was like we were official, but we weren't yeah. like seeing each other that often. You know, he well, would come visit once in a while, but. And I, I know I've just mentioned this to you again recently, but one of the things I really admire about your relationship with it being a, like, I mean, how many years has it been? 12? Um, it was 2008. So. Oh gosh, more. Numbers. I do 15. numbers. 15. 15 years. Yeah. One of the amazing things that I think has allowed you both to stay so strong is that you grow and change with each other and you kind of like you're flexible to where you are at in your life. So I think in the start of your relationship, like he knew you're in college, right? Like you're finishing up your senior year. So there wasn't like this pressure to like commit to me now, see me every weekend. You still did your thing. Like in terms of you hung out with your girlfriends every weekend. We still went out. We still went on trips. You know, and then like when you met back up, you were in law school, he was doing his teaching thing. Like you still had different focuses, but you still like came together and like held on to your relationship. And so, yeah, so I think that's, that's part of, I mean, you were committed to each other. You were, cause I remember being on spring break with you senior year and you were just like, I have no desire to talk to any guys. Like mm-hmm. I'm so into Todd, you know, but like you still had a good time, right? Yeah. You're still like having yeah. fun with us, like whatever. I love that. He'll say, if you ask him this story, I like need to get him on maybe to talk about this stuff because it's funny, but he'll yeah. say that that night him and his buddies showed up at that bar with another group of girls <laughs> and like they each had like a girl, you know, that they were there with like, and his yeah. girl threw up in the doorway and they wouldn't let her in. Oh, I do remember And that. he was like, okay, bye. Yeah. And she like went home. So he was supposed to be with this other girl all night. So thank God that that girl drank too much. Fate. And yes, it yeah, was fate. It was thank totally- you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, girlfriend. Thank you, yep. random girl, for taking too many shots. <laughs> uh-huh. Whoever you are. <laughs> Wherever you are, whoever you are. Thank mm-hmm. you. All right. So moving into now, so we've gotten through college, you've met your husband, and now you are going to law school. So you know, kind of tell me about your little bit about like your law school experience in terms of personally where you were. It was kind of like you were in study mode, at least from my point of view, but I know you had a lot going on there with trial team and everything. And how, how did that build you up for kind of your future career? You know, coming from party mode to, and, and you know, there was obviously school before cool. I was studying in college, obviously, but yeah. it was different, right? To go straight into law school where you are like everyone is this like so smart and um, all of their parents were lawyers and they all had like an idea of what kind of lawyer they wanted to be. And they all just seemed to be, it was like so much imposter syndrome. Like I do not belong here. You know, I don't have any lawyers in my family. Like I have no examples of this. I don't know what this is supposed to look like. I don't know what kind of law I want to practice. I just knew that my sister said I couldn't do it. And I said, watch me. And so here I am. (laughs) And I also said, I wanted to try cases because I was on that jury. Right. So I, um, I, you know, the first year I just try to survive. You know, that they say the first year they scare you to death. The second year they work you to death. And the third, they bore you to death. And, and that was the case, I would say for sure. Like the first, you know, I just, I think I got my first C in my life um, in property. And I still don't know anything about property, but I somehow got a C. And um, it was hard. It was a lot of work. And I just remember seeing all of you guys living in the city, going yeah. out every night. And I was not able to do that. I had to bring home like 30 pounds of books every day. And that is when I started wearing glasses because I was in the library. It was dark in there like for hours, days and days. Yeah, it was a lot of work. And eventually there are these monitors all over the TV and they would have these like girls and these like people in the suits, like, you know, in these power poses. And it was like NTAC, 
Buffalo, New York, January 7th through January 10th or whatever. And I was like, what is that? You know, and it, it was basically these like ads for these trial teams and they were going to compete at this competition in New York on these dates or whatever. And I, they looked like celebrities. Like it was like, the, yeah. they were like the local celebrities at the law school. In my head, I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to be that. So I tried out, I think, um, and I made it, I made the team, but I didn't make the best team. And then I got on the board, the trial team board. And then since that, I was like always on like the be- better of the teams. And then we were always winning. And I was like the celebrity on the TV later. Yeah. And I loved it because that was my favorite part is I'm a storyteller. I like getting up. I like, I love the theatrics of it. And it was a lot of hard work, you know, on top of already a really busy load of like being a law student, you're, you have to learn and work up a whole fictitious case. Like you have to know all the witnesses. You have to prepare your drugs and cross. You have to like know all the facts cold. And then you have to take time on every, like, what is it? Like four days a week you're practicing and every weekend plus all the Mm -hmm. law school. And then plus trying to juggle friendship and a boyfriend. Like it was a lot, you know? And I think from then I realized, like, I think from that moment I was completely in like turbo autopilot and that has remained until now like just doing all the things and just driving past the burnout like completely and just ignoring it and and I've just been in that zone for so long but you've also though I would say you've gotten good at balancing life in general like you're not just all work you know like no now I'm not no no but I remember like that's when I was just like all because I didn't have kids I didn't you know I didn't really have any responsibilities other than myself so it was all I was focusing on was just those things and like and and like succeeding and yes doing good winning winning was always the big theme for me yeah yeah okay so then when you started your career kind of similar trajectory in terms of like getting the best jobs, winning. I know your first job, you were able to try a lot of cases, right? Mm -hmm. But then, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to try cases and there was this one law firm that like everybody knew about and people had, I had heard the older class people talking about that firm and uh, interviewing it, not getting it. And so then when I got it, people were like, you got it, you know? And, um, I tried 33 jury trials in my first year. I actually, the day after I was like sworn in, like, yes, I was was like 23 or something. I tried my first jury trial the next morning. So like I had dinner with my family and then I went home and prepped for my next, for my jury trial the next morning. Like that was probably close to malpractice. Like I was picking a jury. I was opening, I was closing. I had like an actual client. There was like a jury in the box, the judge, they're probably looking at me like, what? I mean, and I was probably better off than most because I had all that trial team experience. I knew what a trial was supposed to look like. I knew how to pick a jury from, you know, I had a jury selection class in law school. So like I kind of knew what I was doing and the firm, you know, prepared us pretty well too, um, kind of what to expect, but talk about just getting thrown into the fire and figuring it out. Like, and so that's been like, you, you just jump in and you'll figure it out. And it's always been like a model of mine and something that I feel like has served me well, you know? Yeah, like you just always have the skills to figure your way out of any situation type of thing. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, and, and something that they stressed really early on for us at that first law firm. I mean, those were some like the best trial lawyers in the city. They, that firm has since like disbanded. They're all still – I see them around the courthouse. They're all incredible. But 
one of the partners in particular would always tell us like nothing. What, how did he say it? Like nothing. You can't like F anything up so hard that it can't be un Like, so just do it. Like <laughs> right. try, Don't be afraid try to make things. Mistakes. Don't be afraid. Make, yeah. Be creative yeah. with your arguments. Do this and that. Like nothing you can do can be undone. Can't right. be undone. So just go for it. Yeah. And that stuck with me too. Okay. So from there, give me a quick overview of your jobs and your career and kind of where you are now in terms of your career. So from there, so I was there for one year and then I got bored because I wanted more. Like, yeah. you know, it was the same kind of cases and I wanted to higher stakes. And I always yeah. in the back of my mind wanted to do that police stuff that I saw on that jury trial. So right. I was in a depth with actually a guy from my firm now and we were co-defendants on the case. And he said something like, hey, like you should, you know, maybe interview with the firm. And that guy ended up being my boss. And I, you know, I got hired at, at the place I am now. It's going to be 10 years this December that really? I've been there. Yeah. And it's crazy because most oh people gosh. our age like bounce jobs a lot. But yeah, I've been here for 10 years. And um, yeah, I started as an associate and I was doing like car accidents and stuff because that was my expertise at the last place. And then there's a guy that, you know, the firm that I'm at now is like a big trial firm. And, um, but my team wasn't really trying cases, the team I was on. And so there was one guy that was doing the police stuff and he was always on trial. And so I would like leave my desk and sneak out to the courtroom to watch him on trial. And he was probably like, who's that? Does she work here? You know, like I was sitting like a little groupie watching him on trial instead of back at the office doing my work because I knew I wanted to be doing that and I right. wanted to be working with him. And I swear, looking back now, I manifested it because his office got moved right next door to mine and his associate left the firm and he needed someone to help him with his cases. And every time something printed off of the printer, I knew it was his. I grabbed it. I ran over to his office and I gave it to him. I was like, oh, hey, oh, I was just grabbing my own stuff. Like, here's yours. Do you need any help with any cases? And he was like, oh, no, no, no. And eventually one day he said, I've got a case. Do you want to be on it? And since then, I've been working with him on these cases. And yeah, so I was I was do, working as an associate. You know, we were trying cases. It was so fun. I like loved it. And then um, I made partner in 2019. And then COVID happened and I had two kids and then. Well, you just like jumped a huge gap there. I wanted to interject before you kept going. So yeah. it just keeps coming up, you know, in your life and all these stories we're kind of telling that you kind of knew deep down like what you wanted and you just like went for it. You didn't let anybody stop you. And not only that, it sounds like you've always been manifesting things, right? And you just posted something on social media about like when you want something, like you have to live how that person would live, right? Like what you just described is exactly that. Like you just, you I don't know if you probably realized you were doing it at the time, you know? Like you decided you wanted to do this police work. So you showed up in the courtroom when this police work was, you know, going on and just acted like, not that you were a part of it. It's not like you got up there and were like, excuse me, <laughs> no. you know, but you were in it. Like you physically were in it. You were, you know, next to this guy's office and kind of popping in when you could. And um, it's just, it's so interesting now to like hear back all of these stories with like this lens that it's just mm -hmm. something you've always done. Yeah. I, you know, and just kind of talking it out, like, yeah, I didn't realize I was doing it either. You know, yeah. I was, but you create your life. Like mm -hmm. I was like creating opportunities for myself yeah, and were. I was an eager beaver, you know, apparently. And 
but it served me, you know? Right. Right. Like I saw what I wanted. I think that's the thing. Like you have to figure out what you want and then just do it. Like make yourself yeah. available so that the opportunity comes to you. Mm-hmm. And not getting in your in your own way, right? Like I think one of the things that I've always gotten stuck with in my life is I might see something I want, but then I like step around myself or like, well, do you really want that? Are you sure you want that or do you want that? And I almost overanalyze everything to death. Like I never saw that with you. It was like you saw something what you wanted and you stood firm in your conviction like no matter what, you know? And that's that's really, it's amazing because I I feel like there was like this self-awareness and confidence that you've just always had. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that's so nice. Okay, so now we're leading into having your babies. You have two amazingly beautiful boys, Clayton and Cameron. They're the coolest little kids and... I am just obsessed with them. They have such different personalities already, even though Cameron's only a year old. It's so fun, like watching their differences, right? Even though they Mm -hmm. look like twins. How has that transition been to being a working mom, being a partner, you know, like all of that? How how are you managing that all? You know, it's been like, it's been difficult. I'm not going to lie. And it's something that I have to like really intentionally kind of work through because I, I made partner, which is like at that point, it was all I had been working toward. Like, I just yeah. wanted to make partner. So I make partner December, 2019. The world shuts down March, 2020, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm i like a partner for two, you know, and I'm a partner for like two, three months. And then we go, we like leave and, you know. It's like and such a womp womp. <laughs> yeah. I, and then we go back and we're like locked down. I have a baby during the lockdown, you know, in September. And then I, ha- you know, and that – was in, an insane shift. I feel like we could do a yeah. whole separate episode on that. Yes. And then, yes. um, then you, I had come back to work after my maternity leave and I'm expected to be the same person I was when I left, you know, that I was just supposed to pick up as this, like crushing it, staying late, you know, putting in the hours, yeah. leader, partner. And I was like, my heart was pulling me home. I had mom guilt I was tired. I wasn't as present in my work. It just didn't feel as important as it used to after having gone through COVID too. You know, I feel like everyone kind of changed the way that they were looking at what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Like, plus having this baby at home that I know needs me and I'm dropping him off at daycare while I'm sitting at my office wishing I was with him watching the cameras at the daycare. So it was hard. Yeah. You know, and it's still hard, but- yeah, I honestly feel like we could do a whole episode about just that. But um, in general, though, would you say this was kind of the turning point in your life? I mean, because obviously, like, you've taken a pivot, right? And mm-hmm. just like your personal development, all that. Would you say that was like kind of a different I feel moment? like the, the, like the spiritual journey for me kind of started during my – after – while we were trying to have Clayton the first. Remember, I had that miscarriage. I, well, you know, I was telling everybody – like around the time we were getting married, we're going to have a honeymoon baby. We're going to have a honeymoon baby. And lo and behold, we have a honeymoon baby. And then I miss Carrie. And, um, and I, I really struggled after that because I, I feel like, I guess I was used to getting what I wanted, you know, I would put my mind to it and I would just get it. And, and it would happen. And here I had no control over it. And I try to control it so much. And, I obsessed over it. And then I started listening to like some of these things about like letting go and surrender and um, just like more self-development stuff. And that's kind of when that journey started for me. But it really kicked into high gear after Cameron was born. 
I don't know what it was about Cameron the second, but it was like, I already felt this disconnect with between my work and my life after Clayton. But then after Cameron was born, it was something like a whole different, like there has to be more than this kind of thing. And um, I'm not living my life to the fullest. I shouldn't be feeling split and separate from myself the way that I do. And that's when I like really, really dove in more with the stuff. Right. So where would you say you're at now with like your spirituality and kind of your personal growth? I feel really good. I mean, I obviously I think you keep growing and and like those, like I think I did an episode, I think it was last week about like the limiting beliefs, how these mm-hmm. things just keep creeping up that they're they're never gonna be fully resolved. There's right. always gonna, gonna be, be like this perfect. Perfect. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's always gonna be something that is keeping you small and you're you know, that is holding you back. And I think just the, the what the biggest difference for me is I feel like I am I'm curious about those things now and I wanna like dive into them and figure out how I can make myself better because at the end of the day, like it's not just for me. It's for my kids. You know, if I'm not the best version of me, then they're, I mean, from zero to seven, right, is when all of their minds and beliefs and things form. Like, this is such a critical time. Like, if I don't figure out how I can show up as a best version of myself and make all of my dreams come true, how can I show them that it can be done, you know? So I need to like live it for them to become it. Right. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you have to work on yourself in order to become a better parent for your kids. You can't just expect to parent the way you've always wanted if you don't really know yourself and you're not continuing to kind of change and grow. So yeah, yeah, it's like say or do what I say, not what I do, you know, and that's not that doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work with kids. Okay, so, you know, what are you hoping to accomplish personally and professionally moving forward? Like goals? Yeah. Like what's like, what am like I, I know, I know you want to help women, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like to you? For me, the goal is to just reach as many women as I can who are feeling that like disconnect mm-hmm. to like kind of get back to themselves. Um, people that I see it so much around women around me and, um, So I just want everyone to feel as good as I do. You know, I feel really good right now and I feel really great with the direction that everything is going. And I want everyone to feel that like peace and like happiness within themselves and like Mm -hmm. that they're living their life to the fullest. Um, And in terms of like goals, like I want, you know, to be a top rated podcast, you know, I'm saying it, it's going to happen, right? That's like if my, my past says anything about where I'm going. So I think I want a top rated podcast. Like I'm hoping to, I don't know, like eventually maybe speak about this to like groups of women, um, do some coaching or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like, I want to help the attorneys that I work with. I want to help other lawyers. I, um, I just see women that are kind of straddling these two worlds and it's difficult and any way that I can help, I want to do that. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I more so see it, I guess, with moms, right? It's almost like this complacency and where they're at in life. Like, well, I'm just a mom right now. And trust me, like, that's a lot. Like, being a mom is a huge job and responsibility, but it's almost like they don't realize there can be a different way. Like, mm-hmm. you can still hold on to yourself 
maybe not like who you were, right? Because you're never going to be the same as who you were before you had kids. Um, but yeah, no, I see it all the time in moms and posting in Facebook groups and kind of like, how do I get out of this funk? And so I really kind of see you inspiring, especially like women that have had children and that haven't had children, but just speaking for me personally yeah, um, and kind of how to get back to themselves. Because I mean, like you've, I think with all this momentum and the great work you're doing, it, it definitely like helped put a bug in my ear too, to like kind of take my next steps forward and my little side gig I'm working on. And um, I've been thinking about it for how long? And mm-hmm. again, getting in my own way, like, well, do you really want to do that? What are you going to do with that? What's everyone else going to think, you know? And so I think just, you know, being inspired already by you has helped me take steps forward in that direction. So yeah, I, I love that. And I feel like yeah. our whole little girl group that we're chatting on our little mom group, everyone is like doing something now yeah. and yeah. has felt a little bit of some inspiration, which it makes me so happy too. Mm-hmm. And realizing like you can be a better mom when you're a, a better version of yourself. Yeah. Because if you're fueled by something that you're passionate about, it's something that it gives you a reason to wake up in the morning beyond your kids. You know, yeah. you want like that fire in you. Right. About something yes. about life, you know, because when those kids leave, you're, you don't want to be left with a shell of yourself. They're not going to be around forever. And your you kids know? can't be your only identity. Exactly. Like, think, about, think about the pressure that puts on them when they're older, right? Oh, like, yeah. My yeah. mom literally lives for me. Like, oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, a piece of that, I, I might still be a clingy helicopter mom because I, like, love my kids so oh, much. Well. But, <laughs> like, I still want to have my own thing, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. So along those lines and what you're looking to accomplish, this might be more personally a mixture of both. Like what does your dream life look like? Uh, well, my dream life is the setting is in Florida or some beach town, I think. It's yeah. in a warm tropical climate on the water. And dream life would, would include like doing this um, – helping like, you know, chatting about this stuff, helping women, um, spending more time with my kids, spending more time with my husband, traveling, spending more time with my parents and my sisters and my friends and writing a book, you know, I, that's always been in the back of my mind and something I was like gung ho about last year and then got in my own way about, um, so writing that book and yeah, I don't know that, that's kind of yeah. That's good. You don't have yeah. to have it all figured out, right? Because then you got to leave a lot up to fate and like opportunities, exactly. right? Yeah, I just know how I want to feel. You know, I want to feel yeah. free. I want to feel peaceful. I want to feel like family oriented. I just want to feel like comfortable and healthy and um, yeah. alive and have adventure and fun. Yes, yeah. love it. What is one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome personally? I think the, I think probably the transition be, from being a single person to being a mom. Yeah. Was the biggest transition. Hardest, most rewarding and the best one, but definitely the hardest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I know one of the poets we really like which Maybe you should link her in the show notes. I feel like she's so inspiring. Jessica oh my God, I bawled my eyes out reading those on Mother's yes. Day. Yes, it's just, I don't know, it speaks to this part in your mama soul that you feel like you don't know how to verbalize. But I know there's one that talks about, you know, you look in the mirror and it's not the same person. You know, like you do, you become a different person. You walk into a new person, whatever you want to call it, after you've had kids. So it's kind of like 
getting to know that person. Like, who are you? What are your priorities? Like, what do you want out of life? And exactly, um, so it yeah. is. It's like a huge shift in in everything. Totally. And I and and what I've found is honestly, this version of me is even like more creative more powerful, like more amazing and more incredible than I ever was before. It's like they give you this like new sense of like, I don't know, something, it's just like a fire. Yeah, it unlocks unlocks something. Yes. And it's, it's a spiritual journey. I mean, like you're bringing a child into the world. It's like unlike anything. And then, so you feel like this just badass that you are. And then it just, instead of like staying in that fourth semester, fourth trimester funk, like try to switch that mindset into like, holy shit, like I can do anything, you know, and like riding that wave instead. Yeah. Which took a while, obviously, to figure out for me, but I'm there now and I'm like loving life. Isn't it interesting that I think both of us have, whatever you want to call it, a spiritual awakening. I know that sounds kind of woo-woo, but like both of us went through these transitions after having children. Um, cause I can specifically remember like when I was going through mine and it was after Sienna was born and it was during lockdown. Right. So there was nothing to do. So I started listening to podcasts and I came across some that really like just kind of flipped my world upside down in the best way possible. And like, just made so many like more things make sense to me that never made sense before. Um, but it's interesting. It took, I think having a kid to make me receptive to, to that. And it also like having the kid like forces you to slow down, yeah. forces you to like go of control. Like you can't control when they sleep and you can't control right. like when they cry and like you yeah. can't go anywhere you want to. You Like you just have to kind of let go of the reins and go on the ride. And like mm-hmm. that is a lesson in itself too, I think. One of the things that I keep coming back to, especially with um, Sienna right now, who's almost four and she's just, you know, coming into her own with her strong personality and convictions is like a lot of times kids are a mirror too, to, to you. Right. So like, and, and I'm, I'm keep having to come to terms with what she's showing me is it's actually me. Right. Like mm-hmm. she's reflecting back, like something I'm putting on her. Mm-hmm. Another question. What's something that you've learned about yourself that surprised you? I would say something like more recently that I don't care about what people think as much as I thought I did. Or actually, you know what? I do, but I, that I was able to get over that so quickly. Like with the – like I, I made a – I told myself I was going to post something on Instagram 90 days in a row. Yeah. And the first few times I posted, I felt so cringe about it. I was like scared to put my face on the camera. Yeah. And like maybe after like day four, I was like, I don't care. I honestly don't care. I'm having fun with it. I think even my husband is like, oh. But – on some of them, but I have not, all of that somehow just like is gone. And I don't know how it happened. It was, you know, it took a few journaling sessions and a lot of like, I, you know, I guess I would say I'd been kind of like working up to it for like six months, but actually doing it is the fastest way to get over it. And I, you know, I literally just came, like you could think about it and think about it, but like doing it, actually forcing yourself. Okay. I have to put myself out there 90 days in a row it helps you so much faster than any mindset shifts or thinking about it for a year. You know what I mean? So yeah, I have really surprised myself with that. I'm actually having a lot of fun with it and I'm, I just love like the creativity in it and um, just being able to show my personality a bit. And yeah, so that's definitely surprised me. Yeah. And you are so creative, right? And you had to get over that 
kind of barrier that other people put on you by like in college, right? I'll tell the story about, so in, in, in a sorority, you decorate these paddles, which are like these wooden things. I don't know why you do it. And you usually decorate one for your big sister or your little sister. And um, we usually spend a lot of time on them, you know, gluing gemstones and whatever. And Monica made one and it was, it was interesting and she got a lot of flack for it. Um, and I feel like people were telling you and putting it in your head, like, oh, you're not creative. Not that they were saying it directly, but like making you feel that way. Mm-hmm. And you held on to that for so long. This like limiting mm-hmm. belief that I'm not creative because I made this one weird looking paddle. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome to see now you like coming to terms with that and admitting like, no, I actually am very creative. Yeah. I mean, I'm maybe not, creative. maybe not with painting, but yeah. in every other way. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. For sure. And, and I like looking back now, it was like, I didn't want to sit and like color gemstones or whatever for three hours. Yeah, I, don't I was care. over it after like yeah. 20 minutes. Like I was yes. ready to move on. And that doesn't have anything to do with my creativity. Like I wasn't in the mindset for it that day. And then mm-hmm. that, that experience, like for sure, like crippled me for years. Like right. I'm just yes. not, I'm just not a creative person. And you really and are. No, it just, I wasn't in the right environment for it. We're in the right mindset for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was going to say one thing that surprised me about you recently is kind of through this like journey we've taken and like I get to know ourselves and whatnot. And I don't know if you want to get into the aura color stuff, but is that you maybe are a little bit more introverted than originally thought. You've always been the life of the party, high school, college, like I don't mean this in a mean way, by any means, it's a good thing. You're like the loudest voice in the room, you know, like very magnetic. And now just learning about you, you actually do have a lot of introverted tendencies, which is just, it's, it was very surprising, I think to you and to me to learn that you thrive. And I think you re-energize as an introvert would do rather than an extrovert. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been, I don't know, that's been like so interesting and fun to see. Like you give me examples about how you hide out sometimes at a cocktail party in the bathroom because you've had too much personal interaction with people. (laughs) I hate networking. I hate mingling. I hate small talk. Like I'm the worst networker. Like, you know, when they're like, go out and give business. I was like, oh, kill me. (laughs) So awkward. I would literally hide in the bathroom. Like, can I go now? So yeah, I I like max out. And I remember when, you know, my husband was working at nights, I would come home from work to an empty house. And you're like, how lonely is that? Do you hate it? And I'm like, no, I actually love it. I get the house to myself. I can recharge. It's not that I don't love and adore him. I just, I had that time to myself. I'm around people. They're talking at me all day. Same with like when my mom would call me on the way home from work. I'm like, I can't talk to you. I just literally have people talking to me and about me and da 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 all day at work. I need to just shut it off. Yeah. And I need like a minute to like, and yeah, that's major introvert vibes right there. And right. and I, yeah, I'll, I'm okay passing on like some of the parties and the girls trips now. I never would before because I just feel like I know myself better. Like I know that I'm maybe better off not going, you know, that'll be, it'll serve me better personally to yeah. sit this one out, for example, you know. Or at least you know yourself better that if you do go, you have to dedicate some time to yourself. Mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. not just like try to go with the group for everything, you know? Yes. But no, that's yeah. been so interesting. And I think it has served you well, just like helping you prioritize like what you really want, you know? Yeah. So I've got like two more questions. Okay. questions. Who would you say has influenced you most 
kind of like throughout your life? Probably my husband, yeah. I would say. Yeah, probably Todd. He's been like not only just because he's always an athlete, so super dedicated to like health and fitness, but also so goal-oriented and very driven and um, always like pushing me to be better, to be to show up better, to be better. Like just a silly example is like, you know, I have this aunt that is just so fabulous and she always dresses like to the nines, like to every, even like a family barbecue. She's got like her best outfit on. And yeah. I sometimes, you know, I would put on the jeans and a t-shirt and he's like, well, you know, you should dress up like, you know, like your best self, like your, how put your best outfit on you. We're about to go see your family. Or like, I see him getting all dressed up to go like over to my mom and dad's house for dinner. And he's like putting his best foot forward always to show up as his best version of himself. And so he's kind of encouraged that mindset in me to, why are you showing up at 50%? Show up at a hundred, put your best dress on, you know, What, what are you saving it for kind of thing? So, I mean, that's just like a clothing example, but with food, with, you know, with, with work, like get that business, da, 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 like pushing me, you know, with the trial team and everything. He's always just been my number one fan yeah. and supporter and yeah. Biggest I influence that. I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So kind of wrapping things up, at least since we're friends, we talk a little bit about friendship. Yeah. Um, what does friendship mean to you and how does it affect your life? Friendship to me is like, chosen family because you can open up to a a friend sometimes like you can't to family um and about different things right like I'm super close with my sisters but our relationship is different and it's because we have done all like all of life together and so you've seen the good and you've seen the bad and I feel like the best part about friendship is just growing together and having that support system like being able to go from that phase of life where we just wanted to have a good time to now like starting like little businesses and supporting and encouraging each other and venting about motherhood or, you know, talking about the difficulties and sleep training and stuff, just being, having someone along that journey. We're the same age. Our kids are the same age. Just having someone match my path that kind of challenges me and I can grow with has been like one of the biggest gifts in life, I would say. Yeah. And having that like you said, support system, you know, to lean on too, right? Because life is hard. Like, let's be honest, like it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Mm -hmm. There's some really hard times that you and I have been through specifically and having someone that you can kind of, that will help like carry you for a little bit when you need it. And then it can flip flop. And um, I think to me, it's, I mean, at least throughout my childhood, I don't know what I would have done without friends. Yeah. I don't yeah. Think and you're, you know, as an only child, right? So yeah, it's like I didn't extra. have any siblings. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I had a weird, you know, family dynamic. Um, and I didn't have close family members to really rely on. So like it was my friends, like you said, they were my chosen family and they, if, if, if I didn't have it, I don't, I would not be where I am today, you know? So yeah, I just think it's so important to surround yourself with people that you can really count on and that are yeah. really there for And you. another like thing is they see things in you when you don't see them in yourself. Like mm-hmm. we, we randomly went through this in our little mom group chat, say a few words about how you would describe me. And we, each yeah. of us went one at a time. And some of the words that like you guys were saying for me, like, I don't even see myself as that sometimes, you know, and just to hear that reflected back, like that's how they see me. It was so 
they know me. So I know they're not blowing smoke up my ass. They know my character and they know this is who I am. So believe them, you know, when you are feeling like not so sure of yourself, ask your best friend how they would describe you in five words and it'll lift you up for sure. Yeah. And having that like cheerleader in your court all the time, Mm -hmm. how many times, I mean, I know we laugh at this story, but when I was younger and on stage, like in every intermission, of a recording, you can hear you, Monica, <laughs> yelling my name <laughs> from the Thank audience. You, yes, that's my best friend. Yeah. And th- I mean, that's that's everything, right? Like someone that you know is like really cheering you on and wants to see you succeed and will help you succeed. It's just it's really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if uh, you can do something by yourself, but if you could do it, pushing each other along with your friends, it's so much more rewarding and yeah. when you all get to the end together kind of thing. How do you and how do you keep your friendships going in this like crazy stage of life? You know, I think like our little group chats help. I'll be honest, I'm not the best at like thank God for you because I feel like you are more the one that will like kind of keep it moving. Like I don't know, like get organized stuff to get us together and stuff like that. I'm trying to do that more, but I it's not my strength or whatever, you know, I'll come, but I won't engage some or like initiate, I guess is the word. And that's why we need like a yin and a yang because the introvert in me is like, Oh, I'll just stay home. But you're like, no, let's get together. And then you never regret it. You know what I mean? Like every time we get together, it feels like a therapy session. So Mm -hmm. it's so important to just have someone like that. And, and just, yeah, take advantage of those relationships. And even though you've got kids or whatever, like, you know, we can meet up before they nap or we can meet up after they nap or you can come over for dinner and one feels sick and they have to go home. Like that happened last weekend and it was fine, but it's still right. something, you know, yes. and just make those efforts to to be together. Yeah, And like I'm watching like- our kids play and stuff. It's oh, like man. the greatest joy of my life. Like we were kids not that long ago and now we have kids playing with each other. Like we're trying to set up marriages here between Sienna and Clayton. So <laughs> Loki, like- Loki, yeah. No pressure. <laughs> Loki's <laughs> setting up a marriage. So we got to keep these relationships going, all right? Yeah, we we got to get, get these kids to love. We need to create a Romeo and Juliet relationship where we they do. can't be together kind of thing so that they want to be together. It's forbidden love. That's forbidden how we're going to position right? it so that they yeah. don't think they can be together, but secretly we're in the other room like cheersing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like what you're saying is like you have to, in a way you have to still prioritize your friendships, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to put in an effort. Like it's not the same effort you're going to put into your career and your children and your family, but it's still a very important part, I think, to a happy life, right? Like, Oh, yeah. And like just thinking about like, if, if the goal for like moms and stuff is like self-care, how can you fit in yourself into your day? Like, because when you're alone and when you have like the self first, that's when you can discover like the, the passions and the purpose and like what you, what, who are you right post baby? Yeah. Part of that is the therapy of your girlfriends. Like that, they are your connection to who you were. They know your heart and like, they will help like use each other, you know, as you move into this next phase of life. It's so, it's been so incredible watching all my friends grow from like, you know, high school, college to like now having, being moms and like doing all these things. It's like so awesome. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you, you go through stages, right? Like obviously we're not able to just get together on a whim and go out for the day, right? Like it has to be more intentional now. 
Um, you have to schedule things. Like you said, you have to work our own naps, but it's still doable. And every time we do get together, we, we walk away feeling so refreshed and like energized. And that's a sign of like something that's good for you. Right. Yeah, it's when you walk totally. away feeling good. Yeah. Um, how do you recommend? Cause I mean, like, I'll be honest from what I've heard, it seems like having one, two, three, four, even close quality friends is pretty rare. Um, how do you recommend that people find their people, especially like now? Oh man. I, you know, my people came to me in junior high and high school and college. (laughs) But, you know, I will say I had made some friends later in life. Like I made a a best friend in law school, um, when I was already an adult, but it's all, it's usually like some connection through some sort of, I don't know, like even, a shared interest, like we connected over trial team or even like a struggle or something like that, or just find things that you're interested in because that like shared fire and energy and passion over something brings people together no matter what. So if you're super passionate about surfing or whatever, join a surf club and then you'll find, be around other people that are in like, they're like in, when they're doing that thing, they're the most lit up. And then they're like their best self. And you'll see if like, you know, these are my people. So I feel like find something that you love to do and then find the people that love to do it too. For moms, there's so many mom groups out there. And I know it's so, it can be, because trust me, I've gone through it, like moving from Chicago or when I was living in Chicago, everybody moved out except for you. And you were working full time and I was home with Sienna and I needed, I knew I needed somebody, like I needed a friend to be able to like hang out with during the day. And so I had to put myself out there and it's so awkward, like showing up at a random play group where you know no one, but I think it'll surprise you because they're all in the same boat and um, being able to just meet a mom friend that you can relate to on things or vent to. It's just, I think it makes such a difference. And I joined like a workout class group around the area and have met some really great mom friends. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways you just have to kind of take that step and put yourself out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like human connection is like what we all crave. So yeah, like we all need that sense of community. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's like in our DNA, right? Like it's how our ancestors lived. Yeah. All right. So we've been chatting for over an hour now and I feel like you can kind of sense like what the kind of friendship that we have. Obviously we could, you know, this is like the kids are sleeping and we're like, oh, we're probably going to hang up, you know, hang up with you guys, but keep talking (laughs) because we could keep going. But um, we hope you got a little bit something out of this episode. You got to know me a little bit better. You got to know my best friend who is like part of my heart. And so if you know her, you know me. And I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Confidence Council podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure you click the follow button so that you're notified every time a new episode drops. If you want more content between episodes, check out the show's Instagram account and website, which will be linked in the show notes for you below. If you're walking away from today's episode feeling more confident or empowered in some way, please share it with a friend or share it on social media so that others can benefit from it too. Thank you again, and I'll see you back here next week. Bye for now.